1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another fine edition of Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parson and Ron Kork. And we are broadcasting live from the Love Shack itself with its new bathroom and roof. So there you go. Uh, with me all the way uh, <laughs> across the pond there, you know, it's the guy... I do the show with focus. Focus. Oh yeah, him. Uh, Steve Parsons. There you go.
0: Yeah. uh, uh, Hi. (laughs) Come on, Ron. Now let's get a grip. We're nearly at the end of the year. Let's see if we.
1: Oh, we just lost him. Excellent. Beautiful. Great for the new New Year starts now. We. I'm either lost or he's lost. So I'm not sure. Who's Who's lost? lost? I'll try to talk with a British accent.
2: Will that work? Yeah. There we go. What was that? Was That, a, that,
1: was that, that wasn't a,
0: a British accent. That wasn't a British accent. No.
2: <laughs> the best I could do.
1: Joining us from somewhere is the amazing Viano himself. Uh, I'm sure he's doing this all by magic.
2: Welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. Good to hear you guys. Yeah, we Good haven't seen you. Good to you
1: again. You for those who don't know um the amazing Viato is 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 of course uh a fabulous bizarre uh, magician, anyways. Uh, a magician of the no, he isn't, he's an escape artist. I take that all back. I forget, he's something, anyways. He was at uh, Spirit Quest and uh, he did the uh, the Houdini escape uh, routine with the handcuffs and where he actually handcuffed uh, Mr. Parsons, which I was thrilled about. No, it's too bad he didn't have any duct tape for the mouth, but that works, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, do you remember that? I I still have colds,
0: wake up at night with cold sweats after Rich, uh, the great Viano, cuffed me.
1: No, not uh, the great, amazing Viano.
0: Why, great.
2: No, 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 no.
0: In my book, he's great. Actually,
2: Ron is right. My mentor was the great Viano, and I felt out of deference to him, I should never be the great Viano.
0: In my book,
2: so I would be great. But- Bond calls me amazing. That's, that's
0: cool, too. Well, in my book, he'll always be great, except for the time when he cuffed me at Spirit Quest. <laughs> mm. That was the scariest
1: moment of my life.
2: <laughs> yes, I've had a few of those, too. They're, they're <laughs> so, so for
1: our viewers, uh, listeners, excuse me, who don't know what the hell we're talking about, why don't we uh, describe what happened and, uh, um, so that they're aware of what we're talking about?
2: Okay, sure. Uh, the, uh, the act that I performed for many, many years was called Houdini Lives Again. A- and the concept was to recreate not only the effects that Houdini did, but try to recreate the, the feeling that the audience had. <clears throat> uh, in those days, 75 years ago, they didn't have television, they didn't have much radio, and so uh, entertainment, they would go to a theater for three or four hours and uh, in the theater there may be a a a real orchestra in the orchestra pit sometimes 15 20 25 piece orchestra playing and houdini entertained the world so uh and and while i have practiced magic that has nothing whatsoever to do with this act it's not a magic act it's an escape act and so the the uh, skills are different and, and what we try to do is to recreate the feeling that your grandparents or great-grandparents had when they went to the the theater for a full evening show seeing Harry Houdini do his wonderful stuff. And uh, uh, he did uh, some magic because he loved magic, although he wasn't particularly good at it. And he did the escapes, which made him very famous. And he also, in the course of the evening, would often do uh, exposing a fraudulent medium. And uh, so we, we could use that perhaps as a bridge into the, my current activity, which Ron hasn't mentioned yet, but uh, I've organized a, uh, a convention down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which we call East Coast Spirit Sessions, and it's specifically for seance workers. Now, a little broader than that, but uh, it's for seance workers and other mystery entertainers and that's coming up next month, and we're all excited and looking forward to that. I'm hoping Ron will come down and join us. It would be great to have Steve there, but I know it's a long hop for him. Mm, Suddenly.
1: Yeah, it's good for him, though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm hoping to hook up with Steve in, in June. I'm going to be over there. He promised me a special uh, uh, special that's walk right. through uh, Lebanon Circle a long time ago, and I'm going to hold him to it this this June. Excellent. excellent excellent i i i've got my calendar set so i'm going to be there long enough to make this happen i normally don't stop in london when i'm coming over this time i'm stopping in london so let's go back oh, to the details we worked out later
1: yeah so let's go back to the east coast spirit sessions why the why, yeah. why the name why the name east coast spirit sessions what did we come up with that
2: okay it's it's kind of interesting, we tried to, we started out, uh, there used to be a a convention called uh, Magic at the Beach in Myrtle Beach. And this was a popular place that uh, many magicians came to. And there were a half dozen of us who were interested in the more bizarre things, the mystery entertainment thing, who met once a year there because that was the only time we saw each other. And we said, you know, there's six of us here. I know six more people that could be here. If we just had a one day convention here right after Magic at the Beach. I'll bet we could get another half dozen people here, and there'd be, there'd, then there'd be a dozen of us to sit around here with a common interest. And we said, Yeah, let's do that. We'll just, after Magic at the Beach finishes Saturday night, we'll have our Sunday convention. So we committed to that, then found out Magic at the Beach is on hiatus. They're not having a convention this year. So we didn't know what to do, so we just, hey, be bold or be gone, we said, we're doing a three-day convention on seance workers. We have uh, 60-some people coming. Unbelievable. We have the biggest names available for vendors. We have the biggest names available for performers. We have only one big name of performer that's missing. And uh, uh, that's because he got double booked. Uh, Next year, we have uh, Dan Baines from uh, Lebanon Circle uh, is coming over to join us, but he couldn't make it this year because of other things. But we have everybody who's anybody, and we have people coming from literally all over the country. Uh, we're in South Carolina. We've got people coming from Oregon, Washington, California, Canada, Minnesota, Detroit, and what we're hoping to do is get together and network and communicate. We have lectures and we have all this and we have all kinds of stuff going on, but the real purpose of the session, and we call it sessions because it, it's a session where we're going to get together and we want to meet each other and network with each other. And there's also a hospitality suite with uh, lots of good food and drink. There's also dealer's room with lots of stuff for sale. And there's also lectures, but the real purpose, the driving force is let's sit down and talk to each other and get acquainted. Southern so southern hospitality.
1: So would, would this be open to the general public, or, or do you have to be a magician? Do you have to be uh, someone in a paranormal? I mean, who are we? Who would can go to this?
2: Anyone who pays their registration. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if they no, won't, anyone, I don't know that the general public would be particularly interested.
1: Okay. But
2: if they want to pay, they want to buy a ticket, they can come in so where can, a, uh, where can you get a your tickets where can you get your tickets it starts on uh, friday and friday there's a uh, workshop uh ed carlisle is doing a red light seance workshop uh nine to five and they'll be taking all of the spirit post and the red light seance and all of that historical seance stuff you'll be learning that all day long and uh and it's a very hands-on shop so it's not just a lecture it's a get in and do it And uh, then at 5 o'clock, Ed goes out and crew, and we move into another area where a couple of the biggest vendors in this area are having what they call a hoedown. So we've got two weeks, two hours of a hoedown over in the hospitality suite. Then we come back to a buffet dinner at 7 o'clock. We have a big buffet dinner for everybody. And uh, then we have shows and performers after that. That's Friday night, and we just got started. Wow! So uh, Saturday is overwhelming. We we have a, a a fascinating problem. We have too many lecturers. Yeah. But people kept saying, "Can I lecture?" And there were people I wanted to hear, and I said yes. And I said yes. And I said, yes. and I said, "Oh my God!" So. But right down the hall from the lecture room, there is the hospitality suite. So if you don't wanna hear the lecture, walk 30 feet down the hall to the other room and just hang out, mm-hmm. have a brew, relax, network. And, uh, or you could go over to the dealer's room and buy something. So there's gonna be lots of opportunity, people being floating around. If you're not interested in this particular lecture, go buy something in a dealer shop or go down to the hospitality suite and hang out with people. And I'm hoping that it's an equal distribution as people wander around through all three venues and do what they want to do. And networking is my driving force behind all of this. Everything else is just a way to make it happen. Hmm. So we so, have about, uh, last count, we've got 68 people coming. Oh, we expecting another dozen or so to trickle in. We start on the 16th of January in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So and I'm we- from Massachusetts. I look forward to going to Myrtle Beach. I go every year in January. And uh, I get down there, and it's 55 degrees, and the locals are saying, it's cold. And I say, hey, this is great for me. I love it. So I go out walking on the beach every day at noon. And it's a great way to get out of Massachusetts.
1: Mm-hmm. Where can people buy tickets for this, uh, Rich?
2: Go online to East Coast Spirit. Sessions.com. Okay. and it'll, take so, you, it'll tell you all no. the people that are going to be there tell you all about the program and tell you where to sign up everything everything you need to know east coast spirit sessions now you asked earlier where did the name come from uh we originally we were thinking hey we're on the east coast and we don't think it's going to be of interest to the whole world but we'll talk about East of the Mississippi, we'll let them know we're East Coast. Little did we know that half our people are coming from west of the Mississippi, but that worked out. And we didn't know what to call ourselves that would be open and welcoming and yet not misleading. So we didn't like, we came up with the spirit part, and we didn't like spirit what, spirit what? Somebody said spirit sessions, because these are really sessions. we got a session over there, we got a session over here, we got a session about different things. So we picked it. Now, since then, I've decided it's too many letters, too many words, too long a piece. But it's already in stone, so I can't change it. Mm-hmm. So Nothing that... nice and clean like Spirit Quest. Boom. That's beautiful.
1: <laughs> you know what was cool, Rich, is that uh, the first people that signed up, they get this wicked cool planchette that you were given out,
2: right? Oh, it gets better than that, Ron. Yeah. We, uh, We found a guy who uh, makes custom planchettes, and he makes one that is a skull. And this is such a thing of beauty. So we decided, okay, we're going to uh, buy a bunch of these and give them out to the people, uh, the first people to sign up. Uh, Then we got it. We also, my son, who's more artistic than I ever dreamed of, made a beautiful logo for us. And it's basically a big Ouija board, take the letters off in the middle, and, and say East Coast Spirit Sessions, arching over it, and then the date and everything. So that became our logo. Right. So we've got some of those printed up, and we said, hey, why don't we print some of these up, and and, and we could go with the, the uh, Skull planchette. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a nice idea, except it's not really a Ouija board. It's a logo thingy that's shaped like a Ouija board. So now we've laminated that to the other side of that is a Ouija board. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So now, as as a registration gift, you get the skull planchette, you get the Ouija board, which is black and gray, so that it Mm -hmm. contrasts with the one on the other side that's full color. The full color is our logo. So the intent is the full color side becomes where you collect autographs. Oh, so I get this it. side is like autographs, flip it over. Here's your Ouija board. Here's your planchette. Go Ouija if that's what you want to do.
1: Will those, so be, ava- out- Will those be available started- there for a sale?
2: Uh, maybe. Okay. It, it, it's gotten real tricky because we started saying 40 people. Then we got so much interest, we jacked it to the first 50 people. I think we then went to 60 people. <laughs> and uh now we got sixty eight people signed up. Now I'm not gonna leave eight people out. I uh, I I think we gotta put in another order soon.
1: Yeah, but yeah, there was no I, I, I wanna score one of those. That, that's Yeah, a- I was
0: gonna say that sounded very much like Ron angling for uh for one there.
2: Yeah, I gotta He knows score. how to get it. I've already told him how. <laughs> 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 Come on down.
1: Yeah. It's so. I mean, this sounds really interesting. When you put that out there about you know all, I mean, we're talking some uh, big names in the in the world of magic and and also in the, the manufacture of uh, products. And was there, I mean, much interest in it, or, or was it like just? I mean, how was- how much interest was really when you fr- first started talking about this? Uh
2: when I we first started talking about we were just talking about us performers we were not talking about the other guys and -hmm. and we were just talking about the dozen of us that that kind of from that corner of the united states and when we put the word out then all of a sudden real early the biggest dealer in this sort of artifact at all uh is in california and he comes in and says i'd like to come Really, didn't know you went to conventions. He says, "I haven't been to a convention for more than eight years, and that was just a magic convention. I've never been to a convention like this." Mm. So, well, yeah, that's probably because there's never been a convention like this. <laughs> so then, when people look and see him, they say, "What the hell? If he's there, I want to be there." And they just started pouring in, and we have uh, we have people there who don't go to conventions because. We're the people that they want to deal with, and it's not the normal card tricks and coins and stuff that magicians do. Mm -hmm. So Mystery Entertainers have not had a place they could go and get together and meet and greet each other until now. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting. It, It just grew on its own. It was nothing that we did. We didn't do any spectacular job of promoting. We just created an event. And it's like they say, if you build it, they'll come. And they're coming. It's excellent. That's very exciting.
1: There's no Facebook page for this, right?
2: Uh, I thought there was. I thought Vlad had a Facebook page up there.
1: Okay, that's right. Vlad will be there, one of my favorite uh, performers.
2: Indeed? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it goes further than that. We're actually bringing in Vlad's mother. And she's going to help with registration and stuff. So <laughs> I, I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> I don't know. Does she actually own up to him or,
1: or, or not?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I made a mistake. I was talking with her one time, and I said something about Vlad, and I said, oh, excuse me, I mean, Don. She's looked at me and she said, I know who Vlad is. Said, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but my favorite story with her, I was helping her into a hotel one time, I carried the luggage up and and I got it in the room and we started chatting and her husband had just died. She was telling me how it was so difficult and and her son was so helpful and helped her through all this stuff. And so I said, well, obviously he had a good mother. And uh, she says, oh, okay. well, that's enough bullshit. I got to get unpacked now. (laughs) I like this woman.
1: Steve, Steve, you would love to have met Vlad. I think we've had him on the show before. We,
0: we have had him on the show. And whilst you uh, have been chatting uh, with our guest, uh, I, I was reminded of a conversation that we had during Spirit Quest when I was talking about a book, uh, because obviously there's, there's very strong links between magic and, um, and the paranormal. Uh, paranormal Absolutely. investigators many of the, uh, the, the the current crop of parapsychologists uh have studied magic or have been amateur performers uh for with varying degrees of success but this goes back a long way to one of the greatest american uh, well anglo-american uh psychical researchers, is carrington um and i was telling rich that i have a book which is very well funded. um and gave me a little bit of an insight uh, which Rich didn't know because I didn't tell him about the book until after we'd uh, would p- done the performance. Carrington wrote a book called The Boy's Book of Magic, and although Carrington was primarily a psychical investigator uh, of some note, yeah. uh, and includes over 50 pages on handcuffs and escape thereof. Really? <laughs> <laughs> there are 50 pages of all of the different ways of escaping from handcuffs uh, with diagrams, with illustrations referring to Houdini and other of the the great escape artists Um, Obviously I'd read it
2: (laughs) (laughs) Then why did you get out of the cuff?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just got lucky (laughs) But when when we meet in Uh, London I'll I'll bring the book with me because I I know that you, you hadn't actually come across that edition um, when we spoke
2: yeah uh, you introduced me to the concept as like wow now it's logically consistent however if we go back in time because uh one of the early traveling shows of the paranormal sort was the spirit cabinet various spirit cabinets that's right absolutely and, and uh the davenport brothers who traveled all over the world uh doing that and, and much of that was uh, they were put into a cabinet. They were securely tied, bound, bought, whatever, whatever, whatever. And when the doors were closed, then the spirits manifested themselves and the violence played or whatever. And, and, and so the techniques of getting out of the ropes, chains, handcuffs, etc. were an intimate part of that paranormal show. And, and uh, although it's interesting, the Davenport brothers... Were never proven to be frauds. They never well, claimed real, and so they were. No. Like, what's you know.
0: interesting, though, uh, is that uh, some years ago, I took part in a. Uh, I was I was part of the support crew, um, assisting the performers. Uh, With a recreation, a a, a sort of up-to-date recreation of the Davenport Brothers show uh, as conducted. In fact, it was done in the exact same venue, uh, St. George's Hall, Liverpool, where they were run out. The actual location where they were run out of town uh, because they couldn't escape from the knots. Uh, but the, a group of uh, two performing artists, rec- they had a, a, a modern version of the cabinet built, and they had an orchestra. It was, a, it was a, an artistic musical piece uh, based on the Davenport performance, but actually staged on the very stage that the Davenport brothers used. Um,
2: oh, that was wild. I'm sorry? That, that would have been Awesome
0: it it uh it was a fantastic experience um we we included things like uh infrasound this low frequency sound we you, you may have you may have heard me waffling on about over the years uh as part of the sort of undercurrent of of the event so in addition to the specially composed music there was also uh the the low frequency sound there was the cabinet there was special lighting uh there was a whole raft of uh, associated theatrical illusions taking place as well. Um, but as say, it was, it was done on the exact stage, uh, the same location that the Davenports were famously oh. run out of town because they'd, they'd encountered... Um, a, 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 if I remember the story correctly, they'd encountered uh, a stevedore from, Liverpool, from the Liverpool docks oh. who used a particular kind of knot that they weren't familiar with and, of course, they couldn't extricate themselves. And uh, uh, they claimed that the knot was, was hurting them. There was, there was some argy-bargy. There was, some, there was a ruckus uh, in, in the performance. They were accused of fraud. They had to beat a hasty retreat from the building and, in fact, were actually run out of, out of town. Uh, wow. Word got around the UK that they were, they were in fact, fraudulent. Um, whether they were or not, but the uh, reputation preceded them, and over their next three or four performances, again, the same sort of thing ensued where the audience were very hostile, and in fact the it 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 stopped the Davenports performing in the u k perhaps that 's
2: the reason they went to Australia.
0: Um, That's um, exactly exactly where they went. (laughs) But I understand, uh, remembering from my uh, reading of Houdini, that Houdini actually sat with uh, one of the Davenports uh, at length, didn't he?
2: He did. He had his photograph taken with him. And and there is nothing but the photograph, but that inspired the story, which may or may not be true, that... Davenport was introducing Houdini to the concepts of escapes, etc., which he took went, went forth and became famous with. Mm-hmm. So, but whether it's true or not is not documented.
0: But it's well, they also left us a. They also left us another legacy in in uh, in the name of a type of furniture that's common here in the UK, at least the Davenport cabinet. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was actually yeah. named after the Davenport brothers. Not many people oh, realize yeah. that. You know, we, we're we all familiar with, oh, we have a Davenport in the hall, in the hallway, yeah. but nobody really realises it's named after two um, psychic, uh, you know, mediums or escape artists or h- however they were, uh, you know, performers.
2: I had never thought about that connection, but, yes, I grew up in a, a house with a Davenport. Uh, I, <laughs> I had never his heard <laughs> of, Where the hell did that come from? Yeah. That was awesome. So, uh it's interesting, and I, I enjoy looking back then. Uh, Houdini, uh, uh, who uh, was actually very much involved in the séance world in, in a two-handed way, kind of, uh, he was seriously trying to find a medium that could help him contact his dead mother because he was a great mother's boy and was very, very upset by her death, upset Oh, more so because he was not there to be with her when she died. He was in Copenhagen at the time. And uh, a story that has been reported, but not often, I find, uh, is that uh, he was in Copenhagen, and he was taking a nap before the show, and uh, he had a dream or something. And after the show, he was telling Bess about it. They had dinner after the show. And he said that his mother had come to him and he thought it was in a dream. He wasn't sure. And this morning they got the telegram saying that she had died. Uh, putting the times together, the time of his... All right,
1: we're going to have to hold that thought because we have to take a break. Sorry. So let's find out what okay. happened after, after she died. <laughs> we'll back from break. So anyways, Yo. stay tuned. We'll be right what back. A,
0: what a host.
1: Ghost Chronicles, <laughs> International, Tojanet, ParEx, Planet Paranormal, and beyond. We'll be right back in following messages.
2: An oasis in this hectic world. The creepy and
1: the are kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family.
0: They're strange, deranged. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous, as we give awards to the Barrett X family.
2: Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron
1: Colette, known as Owen Van Helsing.
2: And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell.
1: You are here at the elegant, Venture Hall, the Downton Abbey of Venice.
0: And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you.
1: Tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles of Next Generation.
0: On Toginet, Para X, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal.
1: You can even listen live on your smartphone with your Tune-in app or catch the podcast on iTunes.
0: And now, time for tea. And we're back in part two of Ghost Chronicles International. And I say it every week. America, it is not Downton. It's Downton Abbey. And we don't all drink tea in the UK. Some of us actually drink coffee. Anyway, before the break, we were talking to our guest, the amazing Viano, who I still think is great, uh, despite the fact he handcuffed me at Spirit West. And we were going to find out what happened when Harry Houdini's mum died
2: yes uh, harry never ate before a performance as most performers did not you don't want to go on stage with a stomach full and so he was sleeping at the the hotel and his wife was at the theater making sure that everything was being set up properly for the evening show and uh so the show was beautiful and the afterwards they went out to dinner and harry explained to Beth that he had had this dream or vision or whatever. He wasn't quite sure, he may have been awake, he may have been asleep, it's not clear. But his mother spoke to him. And of course everybody knows that Harry was a big mama's boy and was very, very close to his mother throughout. And the next morning they got the telegram that uh, his mother had died. At approximately the time he was having his dream, she was dying. He was very upset that he was not with her. He was in Copenhagen. He should have been there with her, and so on and so forth. He canceled the, the rest of that performance. He went to Germany and hung out for a week or so before he could start performing again. And uh, so he got interested in attempting to contact his dead mother, because not an uncommon thing in its day. And among other things, that led to him meeting Arthur Conan Doyle, who was attempting to contact his son, who had been killed in World War I. And uh, the two became close friends for a while. And they found there were fraudulent mediums around. And so there was uh, a combined effort to get rid of the frauds and find the real ones who can help us make the contact. In the course of doing this, Harry, who was an awesome showman, came up with the idea of exposing fraudulent mediums as part of his show. And this played extremely well. So he would have advanced people who would go out and would look for a fraudulent medium. And then when they came to that town, they would expose him. And, and so one-third of the show was magic, one-third was escapes, and one-third was exposing a fraudulent medium. Uh, Arthur Conan Doyle did not like this. He accused him of trying to make money off this rather than legitimately attempting to contact his mother. Uh, in fact, Harry did both simultaneously, I think. Uh, he was looking for someone who could actually help him contact his mother, and despite what most of the media says, two months before he died, he had a Utica University lecture. He said that he thought it was possible to contact the other side. He still held that open as a possibility, and of course, he was going to be one who would come back, and he made the pact with Beth that he would come back. And so, on. so He did a lot to promote uh, the seances, he did a lot to uh, discredit them. And the media helped on the discrediting part, because not only did they have fraudulent mediums, but they were fraudulent spiritualists, so they were trying to stamp out the spiritualist religion as well. There were seances before there were spiritualists, but uh, spiritualists uh, amped it up here in America and, and across into Europe also. AND IT WAS VERY POPULAR FOR 100 YEARS, WELL, 75 YEARS. SO uh, THIS FORM OF uh, ACTIVITY, PARANORMAL, I'LL SAY, uh, I'VE GOT uh, GREAT SCIENTIFIC CREDENTIALS, BUT I I DON'T MATCH STEVE IN TERMS OF PSYCHIC INVESTIGATORS. I WISH I DID, BUT I I LEARNED ABOUT THIS WHEN FAR TOO OLD. BUT uh, I HAVE BEEN INVOLVED IN SEANCES, I'VE DONE SEANCES. I've had a variety of experiences and i cannot explain everything that occurred so i'm just fascinated as a scientific researcher it fascinates me as an entertainer it's also great fun i like to do seances <laughs>
0: I have to admit, as a psychical researcher, I also love to do seances because I think one of the things that we have in common and one of the things we've discovered we have in common is a great fascination for people uh, because, you know, what I do is actually studying people's experiences and that, that involves learning a, a great deal about how they respond in different situations. And what was fascinating for me during Spirit Quest was the Red Light Seance performance, which was done on the very fir- on the first Friday night because... the performance was done but it still i found from from a personal perspective i was completely i I'd, I'd put i'd suspended all belief or disbelief um and was completely entranced by the floating trumpet by the tambourines by the whole performance and yeah. uh, and it's a great insight into the way the human works that you know despite all of the the, the knowledge uh, that i have about what was actually taking place. My, my, my eyes and my brain were actually completely confounding me and I was going along with the whole thing. And that's very like how people respond uh, in many instances when they're confronted by anomalous experiences. Okay. They, they sort of suspend the desire to, to seek the truth or to, to gain any for, further understanding and just go with the experience.
2: Right, right. And that's 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 fun it also puts a bit of responsibility on the performer to uh know where the boundaries should be and uh early in my efforts, I found myself in places that I did not want to be responsible for being there and so I had to kind of tone things down a bit and uh, but but it's good fun and I also say that uh uh, I am a fraudulent medium, and yet at my seances, I have had people have real experiences that I did not cause, and, and some of them were quite moving. And so, um, it's it, it's a it's a form of entertainment, if you will, that that opens doors to uh, other things. And whether I, these other things are paranormal or psychotic, I don't know, <laughs> but they occur.
0: I can't disagree with you, uh, it's, it's it's exactly, it mirrors my own experiences too. Um, I think that the, the, there are great, there are so many links, I mean we could spend the rest of tonight um, way beyond the, the show's limits talking about the links between paranormal psychical research and and magic uh harry price was was a, was a skilled magician um we also i remember we had a conversation about another of um, houdini's uh i don't know those who were, were inspired by houdini Alf, alfred dunninger another great magician uh, who yep. was also involved in uh, séance performances and the understanding of séance magic?
2: Right. Uh, séance magic is a term I've never heard before, Steve. Uh, that's an interesting one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I think it's a fair term because uh, I think what we saw at, at Spirit Quest, and I, I think. You know it, or in fact, what you see in a lot of seances in a lot of red light seances is is a form of performance magic uh, illusion uh, rather than anything uh, you know spiritual or spiritual spirit intervention so I think seance I... magic covers it from the other the other perspective in many many cases I mean, we certainly have to wouldn't look up, uh, have to look very far these days to find a fraudulent medium. <laughs>
2: I'm not answering that. I will probably be having dinner with a few in the near future, but that's the
0: story. <laughs> I've probably had dinner with quite a few over the years.
2: <laughs> but the uh, the uh, you're referring to, I, I think, more of theater than of, of magic. But yeah, it, it is a, a theatrical performance that that most of us do, and even if you were a quote real medium you still need to set a theatrical stage. You need to, to use the... the uh, in, in the old days, uh, you know, they, they would sing hymns for hours before the, the seance and so on in order to, to get you in the proper mode and, and, and the way of thinking. And you, you can't just walk in off the street, sit down at the table, hold hands, and call on the spirits. You, you have to get people in the right mood, in the right frame of mind and, and conditioning. And that's all theater.
1: Well, and, and, and if you talk to mediums, they'll say that's not theatre because that's also there to raise the vibrations, which uh, uh, makes it easier for the spirit to come through. It's not something
0: absolutely. you see very often done these days, though. Um, the singing of hymns before uh, seances is a very rare phenomenon these days, although it was absolutely uh, common practice. Uh, as late as the sort of just post-war years.
2: Yeah, yeah. But and, people and can't be
0: bothered uh, waiting around for that these days. They just get the ghost box out.
2: <laughs> yes, and I don't like that, frankly. I like the the more traditional style. Uh, we don't sing hymns, but we do other uh, uh, meditation pieces and, and and concentration pieces to try to get get you focused because it's really you should be experiencing a seance from the inside out. So I've got to get you uh, properly attuned to the environment and the vibrations and the whatever if you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, I've had a a singular experience, one gentleman who was an absolute cynic and was there to, I think, physically attack me if if the time came right. And... uh, My son, who is bigger than me, he's six foot five or six and and 260 pounds, a badass looking guy with a big beard and everything. And he was wearing a a long trench coat, leather trench coat. And I said, Watch that guy over there. I'm not sure what he's up to. So my son sat and stared at him for the next 45 minutes, never took his eyes off of him. The guy got up and left, (laughs) left the room. He had bought a ticket, but he got up and left. (laughs) But most people come. Uh, Out of curiosity, I I don't think a lot of my audiences come in expecting to contact their dead relatives. But they come in out of curiosity, what is this about? And a lot of them come away saying, wow, that was interesting. Some come away saying, oh, let me tell you what happened to me. And that's interesting to me. So uh, on more than one occasion, uh, they have professed contact with uh, dead relatives. And uh, it's nothing that I did, but I created a theatrical environment in which they were comfortable doing whatever we were doing, and something happened. And again, whether it's paranormal or psychotic, I don't know. I frankly don't care. Uh, The more that that occurs for me, the, the better I feel as an entertainer.
0: Have you ever been in the situation where people have accused you, or uh, I, I know Houdini was accused on several occasions, and it's happened with the uh, British performer Darren Brown, where people have uh, said, oh, come on, you just you're just uh, a, a, a psychic, a medium who's in denial. Um,
2: e- not verbatim, but yeah. Uh, one of the scary events that happened to me early on was that uh, a lady (sighs) realized that when she was in my presence there was a psychic connection she'd never experienced before so she was going to quit her job in boston move over and park her van in front of my house so she could sleep in her (laughs) van and be close to me uh i stopped performing for almost two years I just know how to deal with this.
0: <laughs> Ron has that trouble all the time. <laughs> you, <know. laughs> you, should, you should have given him a call. He'd have been able to help you out there.
2: Uh, but now uh, my ideal uh, seance, which I, I have yet to perform, but I, I've scripted for a long time, uh, I would like to start with about a one-hour discussion of uh, uh, history of seance and, and so on and so forth. A serious historical review, looking at artifacts, doing this, that, and the other, as kind of preparation. And now we go in, now we hold hands, now we call on the spirits, now we do whatever we're going to do. At the end of that, we have a time to just sit and chat with each other. What was your experience? What did you feel like? And this is a fairly heavy thing, and I don't want the audience to end there. So I want to do a fun, like, you know, after many years, the seances moved onto the vaudeville stage, and you would have seen something like this, and then do a spirit cabinet kind of thing, the comedy spirit cabinet sort of thing, to lighten the the flavor on the way out. You, so you know that's what really, I've been working
1: on. You know what's really interesting, uh, Rich, is that uh, I am doing, starting the first year, I am going to be doing uh, a study on the red light seance. Uh, pretty much like uh, Thomas and Hamilton did, where we will have a closed-off room with cameras and recorders recording it. But my hope is to do it the same thing. We're going to be talking uh, about it. We're going to introduce different uh, things like the Houdini Bell uh, thing and the uh So we're going to be doing very similar to that, but we're doing it on an academic level rather than uh, for an entertainment
2: Fascinating.
1: Yeah, and that'll be once a month. We'll be doing that after the first of the year at VEASY, wow. believe it or not. Yeah. So,
2: so hopefully the same same, same,
1: pe- same people, and we're we, we hoping to get into actually uh, physical mediumship uh, as as uh, a, a byproduct of this as well. So this should be a lot of fun.
2: You'll I have to sit in sometime. Oh. What's that? Uh, i some time ago, I was at Lilydale, and I sat on a meeting of residents, and there was a young lady there who uh, asked why we don't have more physical mediumship, why we don't have classes in physical mediumship. And uh, the moderator was very brilliant, and she said, it is so difficult to tell the difference between fake and real physical mediumship that it has become unpopular.
1: Hmm. But, interesting answer. Which makes sense. I mean, physical mediumship, to me, would be probably one of the more difficult uh, type of mediumship to to engage in because it's, you know, you actually have to physically move things. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, we'll find out well, what happens. It's
0: also kind of true that uh, physical mediumship waned as science and some of the investigators got the hang of being able to use infrared uh, photography and to be able to observe and, and in fact expose a great many mediums some of, the, some of the most famous mediums were exposed um, yeah. during this period and of course by shifting to mental mediumship this idea of channeling, this idea of communicating with spirits through voices or through, through mental means rather than the, the, uh, the use of ectoplasm, the trumpets, the tambourines the playing of musical instruments
2: mm-hmm.
0: it removed the element of potential detection um, yeah. So it, it, it is, as you absolutely say, um, it's very, very difficult to tell the two of them apart: uh, genuine uh, physical mediumship and conjuring or, or magic. Mm-hmm. But at the se- but at the same time, a great many of the physical mediums, uh, following their exposure, in fact, a lot of several of them did actually become. Uh, mental mediums after that they, they they ceased to do the physical side of the of the mediumship and moved into channeling or transmediumship.
1: and, and right. what's interesting is when we did spirit course we you know, one of the reasons i did the red light seance w- was to you know give the uh the participants uh, to a little bit of feel of what could be done and uh, actually, uh, a few people resented it because they felt that this was especially uh, they were mediums because they felt this was an affront to them. But it isn't really. It's just, it, you know, exposes some things that can actually happen. And, and uh, um, if you're if you're a good magician or if you're a good uh, parapsychologist, you're good at anything. You, you want to know what is really true and what isn't.
2: Steve and I were very. Very afraid going into that performance because we were not sure what the reception might be. Mm-hmm. And hear that at least a couple of people thought about us is, is kind of good news because we were surprised at the uh, response and reception that we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, had we known that it was going to play so well, we would have had more fun with it. But uh, <laughs> we were afraid we were going to be run out of town. <laughs> No, a lot of people really loved it, really did. I mean, the, the
1: majority, everybody liked it one way or, or another. Some people were a little bit challenged by it, which, you know, that's their own personal beliefs. But um, the intention was never to, you know, sh- show that mediums are fake, but merely to show uh, that some of these things can be recreated Um but it, it was never purpose to show to say that memes are
0: fake or anything. No, but uh, our guest has, has got has got put an excellent point because we did uh, some some years ago in a Scottish castle. We for our own team of investigators, we set up a red light seance, a traditional uh, Victorian seance, as a training aid for them, as a training package for them. Without giving them a pre briefing, we 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 set up as is important, uh, a scenario beforehand uh, involving the sham magician, uh, the sham psychic, sorry. Um, we used all of uh, the, the same sort of magic that was used during the Red Light Seance at Spirit Quest for those who attended. Uh, we had objects moving, we had uh, voices, we had uh, things being thrown. And at the end of it, when we, when we revealed that in actual fact it had been a sham, these these people who were part of our own team of investigators several of those actually got quite cross with us because uh for the reasons that rich says that they they were they were affronted that we dared pull the wool over their eyes and that i think they were actually more cross that they'd fallen for it Uh, But, you know, people do respond in strange ways. People... It was set up as a training package for them, and we would have... You know, we were hoping that they would have gone, oh, yeah, now I understand. But no, some of them actually got really quite cross about it. (laughs) Uh, What was also interesting is that several people, when confronted with the illusions, actually elaborated... um, on what they'd seen, they extended what they had seen. Uh, there was one instance where I, th- I, I, I was I was one of the observers. That was my role in the in the proceedings, um, and I was there to film it. Um, and it was also my job to throw a small a uh, musket ball across the across the floor, and then to film the musket ball, uh, the recovery of the musket ball. Now, after we, we talked to people afterwards. Uh, we asked them, did, "Did anybody think any of the any of the things that took place were real?" Several people, uh, two in particular, highlighted the musket ball, for the reason that the whole event had been caught on camera. Except, it hadn't. Only the recovery after the the ball had stopped rolling had been caught on camera. But they had confabulated the story into the whole event being caught on camera. So it was a great uh, lesson. Um, I, I, how the human, the human work, the human mind works. How that you think that you well, know point, what you've seen.
2: I, right. Yes. I, I, and I've had some similar experiences. One that, that still bothers me. I I was not really familiar with energy orbs until uh, people at one of our <laughs> seances in Michigan uh, were talking to each other about the energy orbs. They didn't call them energy orbs, they called them the blue lights. And And I didn't know what the hell they were talking about, but hey, okay, that's fine. It was three days later that I ran across a book on energy orbs, and oh, well, this is clearly a manifestation of uh, digital cameras, and they don't occur except in the digital camera, and, and so on. And like, really? These people were not digital cameras, and they saw energy orbs. So I don't know where they came from. I don't know what's going on. It fascinates me when things like that occur and then I try to dissect them as a cold, hard analytical scientist and say, well, obviously they weren't energy orbs. What made these people think they were? And, oh, by the way, how did this person talk to that person about the thing they saw in common? It's very strange. Mm. And I love it.
0: That's the reason why I've spent my adult life doing this because we don't have all the answers. Yes, yes. We can explain what appears on a camera and to some degree we can explain how people can see orbs with the naked eye. There are some medical conditions that, that allow people to see blobs of light Dancing in front of their eyes, but there are a great many phenomena that people report, and we've talked about before the willow, the wisp, the jack o' lantern that predate all of these camera te- uh, techniques that we understand right. and that have been reported by lots and lots of people. So that basically precludes, yeah.
1: uh, well, I actually, rare heard, medical disorders. I actually heard a ghostly doorbell, which means that people, yeah, from me Tennessee. too, So, uh you, we have to wrap this up. So, Aww. East
2: Coast Spirit Sessions, Myrtle Beach, January. Be there. Give the uh, give the uh, website again, there, uh, Rich. eastcoastspiritsessions.com dot com.
1: It's long, but it's good. Check it out. Great, great, great stuff. And, and a
0: final plea from me. My birthday is the day before, on the fifteenth. So, if anybody wants to do a crowdsourcing uh, airline ticket to South Carolina from the UK.
2: All right. (laughs) Wonderful (laughs) idea. (laughs) And uh,
1: awesome anybody, uh, welcome to join me at the Circles of Wisdom tonight at uh, 7 p.m. We will be doing the red light seance, uh, and we'll be setting up the uh, the study for the new year. So, anyways, uh, Rich, we want to thank you. It's always great talking with you. And um, anything you want to say before we say goodbye to you?
2: No, just thank you for the opportunity. I love you guys, and it's fun to chit chat. And you always talk about things that are of great interest to me, so I like being here.
1: I'll see you in June. Yep. Thanks, Rich. Okay. Well, that was pretty cool. That was very cool. So, anyways, while I was sitting here, I was playing with this thing called. We could hear you. What's that? We could hear you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so what's your problem? Uh, anyways, it was really interesting. Uh, the spirit light—it like, uh, it, it, some guy, something from the UK, but it, it works pretty cool. Well, that's good.
0: Um, it'll be interesting to see if you can get the spirits to communicate tonight, if you're going to be using it. at your rally, sound
1: you said on the uh, the television special next weekend. So Wednesday, t- oh tomorrow, tune in tomorrow for uh, Ghost Chronicles, Next Generations, the. Uh, video broadcasts on EBC TV and also on Tojinet. So, time to wrap it up. Good night. Okay. See you next. Good night. night. Good night. God bless.
0: From ghouls to ghosties,